0: Hi and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and after teaching kids yoga for over a decade and being immersed in the industry, I created this podcast as a warm and supportive place for parents, teachers, caregivers, and kids yoga professionals to gather. Episodes include conversations with kids yoga teachers, business owners, and authors, child development experts, informational episodes on specific kids' yoga topics, yoga adventures for children, and even the voices of children themselves. It is my hope that you can come here each week and gain inspiration and form connection with your fellow kids' yoga community. Welcome to the Kids' Yoga Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Kids Yoga Podcast. My name is Jessica, and this week I am joined by Lauren Buckles. Lauren is a mom and a certified yoga teacher for both children and adults. She has spent much of the past decade teaching yoga and mindfulness to kids in schools, and leading professional development workshops for schools, educators, and administrations. Lauren recently launched Nestful, an online space dedicated to empowering children with mindfulness practices. Nestful is meant for parents, caregivers, and educators to easily integrate mindfulness into the lives of their kids. Lauren's intention is to teach practices that are accessible and support children to soothe stress, build compassion, and experience joy. Lauren is currently teaching several virtual yoga classes for adults on Zoom. Her classes are a blend of her training in vinyasa yoga and katona yoga, and are designed for beginners as well as experienced practitioners. Lauren lives in the Hudson Valley in upstate New York with her husband and her son. Her love for and proximity to nature supports her work, her teachings, and her life. Lauren, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I want to hear about how you got started in yoga. So when did you start practicing yoga? And then when did you start to translate that and bring it to kids?
1: Let's see. So I I grew up doing gymnastics. Um, I loved it. I did it for most of my childhood. And then I went on um, to teach it. So I actually taught gymnastics to children for almost 10 years, like between high school and college. So that was sort of my introduction to a movement practice. Um, But inherently, gymnastics is very different. You know, it's very performative. uh, It's very competitive. And those sorts of, you know, those things I didn't really like about it as much. I used to get very anxious before gymnastics meets. Um, to the point where sometimes I couldn't even participate in them. And my parents were always really great about never forcing me to do anything that made me uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, just when I reflect on it now, I'm like, oh, wow, I was having, you know, anxiety um, around these things. And so it's just interesting to think of that. But as I grew up, you know, I went to college and then, Eventually, I started working after college as an events manager, planning events and things like that. And um, it was around that time that I started to be interested in you know, self-study or connecting to myself, I should say, even, even, you know, a, a sort of spiritual practice was always very interesting to me. The idea of having something like that. And I didn't really have anything I did. I did really enjoy going to like concerts and I connected in that way. When I listened to live music, um, But that wasn't really serving me as much anymore. And, you know, so I thought about yoga for a long time. And I had heard about it and knew it was this, like, spiritual practice, connecting mind, body, and breath. So eventually it was when I was doing event planning that I started to practice. And I basically, like, fell in love with it right away. And it was interesting because one of the first classes I took, you know, I entered it from this, like, movement based practice of gymnastics. So it felt, the movement felt very natural for me. Like, you know, I was fairly flexible. Um, I'm not super flexible, but fairly flexible and things like that. So a lot of things came like very naturally to me in terms of the movement, but I took a class once and uh, the teacher was teaching arm balances and I, you know, he was like a workshopy kind of class and I did an arm balance and he, you know, I, I kind of like, was like, Oh, I did it. You know, like I kind of told the class and he, the teacher was like, Oh, that's, that's not for me. That's for you. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And that really stuck with me. I mean, I'm so glad that I had that experience at the beginning of my yoga journey because it really taught me what that yoga was not about what it was externally, you know, and it wasn't about the performance. And I think that sometimes can get lost a little bit. So I ended up, you know, quitting my job as an events manager. I started working at a yoga studio. I feel like this is like a story that a lot of people have. (laughs) They, you know, you know, just give up everything for yoga. But I I started working as a membership manager at a yoga studio. So the transition was like kind of easy. And then I, you know, automatically decided I wanted to do teacher training. So did yoga teacher training. And like so many people's yoga teacher training stories, it really – inspired me to make a change. And I had always, um, really considered wanting to move to California. I was living in New York city at the time. And, um, it kind of sparked that, that motivation and courage in me to do it. So I did yoga teacher training and I went out there and, um, I started teaching adults, my intention to teach. I never, I never had an intention to teach when I did teacher training. Um, Even though I taught gymnastics, it was just more for like my personal learning and growth because I really enjoyed it. Um, But then I went out west and I just started teaching because it felt like um, something that would help me grow because I was so and still am very like um, nervous in front of a group of people and, you know, public speaking was like, you know, it still is very petrifying to me. So it felt like I was, like, overcoming that by stepping into the role of being a yoga teacher. And it definitely helped me grow in that way. It helped me be able to speak and be heard in a different way. Um, but it was really, I mean, as soon as I finished my teacher training, I knew that the, the principles and the practices that I learned were, you know, something I really wanted kids to. To learn because I just couldn't help but think, oh, if I had learned this when I was younger, you know, what sort of belief systems would have been different? What sort of, you know, patterns in my life would have been different? Like, what would have changed if I had learned this when I was young, you know? And um, that's why I really wanted to start teaching kids yoga, but not only like kids yoga, but I really wanted to work in schools because I thought this should be something they have to learn. (laughs) Like this should Mm -hmm. be, these are tools, like these are techniques that they, you know, would be so supportive for children. Um, And so I found an organization called Rise Yoga for Youth. And I started, I did a training with them, like shortly after my 200 hour training, and I started working with kids in schools. And then you know, the rest, you know, I've done multiple trainings since I trained with Little Flower and worked with them for a long time. And, um, you know, kind of really made it my, the thing I really specialized in over the years, because it felt, it felt so important. Yes,
0: 100%. I, I think everyone I've talked to, we all have that same thought, like, yes. how would my life have changed if I learned this as a child? And I think, I mean, I'm, I think that's why so many of us are just like, called to share this because, um, yeah, these are it's not just it's yoga, but it's it's like Abby said who connected us. Um, it's life skills. It's thing it's ways to live your life. So I was really taken on your website where you said that you want to create a safe space in your kids' yoga classes through trauma-informed practices. So I was just wondering if you can tell me a bit about your approach towards classes and why you think, this kind of perspective is important.
1: Yeah. So, in terms of trauma, I mean, I'm not a specialist by any means in in trauma informed yoga, but I do think it's a kind of lens through which we can all teach. Um, so, what I mean by that is like there's just a few things that I always do to make sure that um, that the kids feel safe, and even the adults that I teach feel safe. So. Um, and this is just because we don't know. We don't know what the people in our room have been through. We don't know what the kids have gone through. A lot, you know, the, a lot of this. I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but there a lot of children have experienced trauma, um, and a lot of adults who were once a child, like right, they all, you know, a lot of them experienced trauma as a as a child or maybe as an adult, right? So we just don't know what we're working with in the room. So for me, you know, a few things that I like to do to make sure. That um, it's trauma informed is for one. I like to say what I'm going to do before I do it, or say what I'm going to teach before I teach it. Um, I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I think that having that, um, you know, general mindset of I'm going to give them clear expectations of what's going to happen is very helpful. Um, For example, like if I'm working with kids and we're about to go into shavasana or final resting pose i'll say i'm going to turn the lights off now you know so it sounds so simple but they know what's coming and i think you know i think it makes a big difference um another thing is you know touch and consent um for adults i sort of changed my my model over the years for adults i would um you know, I would always ask who want, um, who would rather not have adjustments. Now I ask who wants them. So it's like an opt-in. And with kids, I just, I don't adjust. There's, for me, there's no reason to touch that. Um, so for adults, making sure there's consent. And for kids, just really avoiding it altogether for the most part, um, especially in terms of like adjusting a pose is, is very unnecessary. Um, another thing I do is I don't force kids to close their eyes or adults. I have tried to make it my language that I use in, um, even adult classes, you know, um, you can close your eyes or you can find a spot to focus on in front of you. It just gives options and options are empowering and, um, it makes, you know, people feel like they have agency over their bodies and their lives. And, you know, I'm not there to tell them you know, I'm I'm there to guide them. I'm there to to offer options, but I'm not there to exert my power over them. You know, I want to empower them. So, just keeping that in mind, um, and you know, not forcing participation. And and when we think about that, making making everything really optional. And with kids, you know, I can't, I can't say you know do whatever you want. There has to be a boundary. But you know, mm-hmm. saying. You, if this doesn't feel right for you, you can sit in a tall yoga seat. You can sit in child's pose. Um, so again, just giving options. If whatever I'm teaching doesn't feel, you know, safe, and I think it's also it's part of the process of practicing to kind of differentiate between like, oh, is this just uncomfortable for me right now? Or does this not feel safe for me right now? And I think that, you know, takes time to really learn. And we're also learning that.
0: Yes. And with kids, with everyone really, but with children, we're giving them tools to just be in their own body and feel what their body wants to do that day or is capable of. It's so empowering for them. So if we're saying, I mean, I think they're getting that message so many other places that like, you have to do this. This is what we're doing. And so yoga can be that space where it's like, oh, you don't have to do this. Do you have to respect everyone? Yes, right. you do. But do you have to close your eyes right now? You don't. So like like you said, giving those choices. And I also love giving like option one, option two. Not that one is better than the other because – in adult classes they'll say if you want a, the fullest expression of the pose which sounds like oh that's that's the better one I should do that. I know. <laughs> but it's like the language you use option A option B whatever it might be I love how you said that just giving choices then they're like oh I'm picking I I'm doing what feels good to me right so important
1: yes I, I, I agree
0: um I want to also hear about katona yoga because I've looked yeah. into it before totally fascinated by it, but I've never taken a class. So can you, for anyone listening who hasn't heard of it, so what's Katona Yoga? And then um, just tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah. So Katona Yoga uh, was developed by Naveen Mashan. She's the founder of Katona Yoga. And um, it's really, it's, it's a set of Principles, or it's a theory that really is meant to be layered onto any practice, but we often see it layered onto a hatha yoga practice or an asana practice. Um, you know, when I think of yoga, you know, I think of it as like connection between mind, body, breath. Um, but Katona Yoga kind of gave me this broader perspective of like connecting the personal experience with the universal experience, and. Um, that's because they really we play with themes, um, such as geometry. So finding the right angle in a pose, finding how your body can fit itself. How does my knee fit my armpit? Or, um, how does my elbow fit the palm of my hand? Knowing that you're designed to fit yourself, um, and also, what really resonated resonated with me was the in, how that how we incorporate Chinese medicine, um, traditional Chinese medicine. Because I've um, gone to acupuncture for probably the past ten years, so um, I just it really ish, interests me, and I really like to think about like the function of the organs and things like that. So, um, and then the other thing is playing with the theme of great nature and personal nature. So, um, thinking of, you know, the seasons and how there's, you know, things we do, you know, things that nature does in, in spring and things that nature does in summer and fall and winter. And then, well, how, how can we look to nature to, you know, inform our own practice, you know, and then, you know, what are the seasons in my life? You know, I just had a baby. So, you know, I'm, I'm really heading into like my summer of my life, where I go out and I, you know, do things, and um, so yeah, playing with different themes and um, kind of layering it onto whatever it is that you're practicing—any yoga practice or really any practice.
0: Mm. So, is it a typical class? Does it look like a vinyasa class, or is it more? I'm thinking of like Iyengar when you're very when it's more separated, the poses?
1: So the cool thing, I think, is that people, teachers, integrated into their classes in so many different ways. Um, you know, for me, when I teach, it's it's very much like a combination, or at least now it's a combination of um, a flow, like a vinyasa class, and then like katona, meaning, you know, again, finding the fit. Measuring up using your body as a measuring tool, you know, how do two fists fit in between my arches of my feet to find hip width distance? You know, what other ways can I measure that? Um, So, kind of incorporating those things, you know, flipping a wrist so that I can bring my lungs forward so I can, you know, get more air. Um, So, subtle things like that thread throughout a vinyasa practice for me. For other teachers, you know, it it looks different. And I think that's like the really cool thing about it. Because, you know, one of the things that when I first took class with Naveen, I studied with her and, you know, consider her a teacher and a mentor. And then also Eva Georgie, I consider like my mentor and my teacher. Um, But when I first took class with Naveen, she was talking about how, you know, feelings don't measure up. So like find use a measuring tool to find to find the measure and then, you know, notice how it feels. And um, that was like, I was like, Oh, I really like this practice. But a lot of my own personal practice is um, noticing how I feel. And it's very feelings based, you know, mindfulness, I'm, I'm always checking in with myself and noticing how do I feel and then making choices based off of that. So I kind of was like, You know, I stopped her after class and I was like, I love this, but I don't, you know, here's what I've been doing and I don't, you know, I don't know if this mixes with that. And she was like, no, you keep doing what you've been doing. This will just add to that. So I loved that because I'm very hesitant to practice with anyone who tells me that their way is the only way. (laughs) So this really, you know, worked for me and it still does and it still, you know, it changes You know, as my practice changes and evolves, that's
0: so nice. It's nice to find a style or a teacher or a mentor to kind of ground your teaching. And like you said, but then there's so much space for change and developing as you change. And you mentioned that you you had a baby. So before we started recording, I was like, I saw on your Instagram you had your baby two days before the pandemic was declared. So. I just wanted to ask you about that experience of being in the hospital, learning it's a pandemic, and then navigating what a lot of people call, you know, the fourth trimester of those three months after the baby's born, um, with with no help,
1: basically. Yeah. What was that like? Um, well, I mean, first off, I this is my first child, so I have nothing to compare it to. Um, but when you know, I was in the hospital; it had been. I was there for two days. I gave birth. Um, I had an unplanned cesarean birth. And, you know, as the story goes, things didn't go as expected. Um, And, you know, so I was recovering. And um, so when the pandemic was announced, we turned the TV on for the first time in a couple days and just said, oh, what's going on? And it was like, it didn't really register. Like, a lot of things didn't really register for me. and then it, it kind of, once I got home, it really sunk in because I realized that, you know, we started to watch the news a little bit more and we realized we have this newborn baby and we can't be having people come here <laughs> during a global pandemic. So um, it was really hard at first because I had expected, you know, my mom and our the rest of our family to be coming and helping and, um, it, that's not how it went. So for one, it was again, just another like experience of it, things not going as planned, um, with my birth and, and postpartum, but it also kind of in a weird way, I think kind of gave me space to like settle into being a mom because. I feel like, you know, I was dropped into this role overnight. And I do feel like I being a mom did come very naturally to me. But it was a it just I think hormonally, if I'm being perfectly honest, was very overwhelming. I don't know if I had postpartum anxiety or if it was just, you know, regular anxiety or if it was anxiety from the pandemic or, you know, I, I have no idea, but there was, you know, a few weeks that were just really me trying to sift through. But I also just think it gave me space to do that. And even the months to come, you know, it wasn't like, um, it we couldn't do very much. So I think that in itself gave me like, the ability to decide the choices I wanted to make as a mom, what I, you know, because everyone always says to, I don't know if you've heard this, but like to go with your like mom intuition. And I think that took a while for me to understand. Like that wasn't just something that I like, you know, my baby came out and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a mom now, and I know exactly what I want to do. Like I was like, oh, p- everyone does this differently, and I need to make choices. And I do think that the pandemic kind of gave me the space to to drop into my role a little bit and to find my intuition as a mother. And it gave me time to bond with my baby, and he's almost one, which is crazy. But and my husband too, so we were all together, um, and we're still all together at home, working from home. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's just been a really nice, you know, bonding experience in that way. So it was really hard at the beginning, but it ended up, I think, you know, that's our silver lining. And I realized that not everyone has one and it's been a really challenging time. Um, but we did, you know, we, we are fortunate that we were able to all bond in that way.
0: Do you feel like your mindfulness and yoga practice helped you to get through that time this past year?
1: I think so. Because a lot of my practice is just bringing compassion to whatever I'm experiencing and allowing it and um, not trying to change it right away. Um, Because I've found that for me, you know, being hard on myself doesn't work. And, um, you know, so I think that I was able to bring compassion to my experience and, um, you know, just kind of allow myself to, to move through the anxiety or just, you know, cry it out. Yeah. yeah which yeah, should be out. normalized, I think. Completely agree. It, it's such
0: a good feeling once you have a good cry yeah. afterwards. It's like, yeah, it's like laughing almost, the, the release that you feel after. Oh, yeah, I agree. Well, I want to hear about Nestful. So, you've created this online space for sharing mindfulness with children and with, with families. So, what was the inspiration for this? And then, what are your goals for this?
1: Yeah, so my inspiration really, I, I guess, is, you know, As I've taught over the years, what I've found when I'm working with kids, right? I've taught chair yoga and mat-based yoga and after-school yoga, all types of settings in the studio. And what I've found, at least for me, that seemed really effective, that like these life skills were translating to the children, was when the classes were short, um, they didn't need a yoga mat they, you know, all they needed was their mind, body and breath. And it was, um, that, that kind of sparked the idea that like, I want to make, I want to help make these practices accessible to, to families and children. Like it doesn't have to be hard. Like there's simple things that we can do moment to moment, um, or whenever we remember (laughs) that can support us. And I think I wanted to just create a space that, you know, felt like a, like a breath of fresh air, that it wasn't like it's something else you needed to go do. It wasn't like a, you know, buy a yoga mat or um, take this hour-long class or meditate for 20 minutes. While all those things are great and useful and I do practice those in my own ways, you know, I, I also wanted to kind of, you know, get down to the the core of it and say, okay, what skills are we really trying to translate here you know, how can we utilize our mind very quickly to help us, you know, notice our experience? How can we utilize the body? How can we utilize the breath? What techniques can I give, you know, people who are just on the Internet who want to help themselves attune, you know, attune to their own lives? And then also they want to help their kids, whether it's parents or um, teachers or caregivers um so that was that's my intention is really to empower kids with tools to build compassion, to um, know how to soothe themselves, to. Or you know, soothe their experience, I should say. Um, know how to empower themselves when they need to. And so, is this an online? Is this a website? Yeah, so it's we a website, and it's also going to be. It's also on Instagram, and it's going to be a blog. Mm-hmm. So I have some blogs that are launching in the next couple of weeks, um, and I'll be posting on there frequently. And so you'll just be able to hop on and look at you know different quick tools, and eventually I hope to offer. Classes or videos, um, maybe children's books, mm. anything that's simple tools that you know parents can can utilize that make it you know simple, effective, and maybe even subtle. Like it doesn't yeah doesn't have to be so complicated.
0: Yes, I completely agree And it. For so long. Um, my mindset was like, oh, you just have to roll out your mat and do yoga. And lately my mindset's like, you don't even need a mat to do yoga. Like what you said, it's like, I'm home with my two kids day in, day out for a year. And sometimes I do yoga while they're playing for, you know, I'm just laying on the carpet or I'm doing some deep breaths. It's like you said, it doesn't have to be complicated or overwhelming. Um, And I think people maybe they hear yoga and they think of, the images of yoga and the the hard poses, like we talked about, the the appearance of yoga, and it's that's that's just not what it is at its core. So I love that you're you're offering this. Um, I think it will help parents too to to see these practices because
1: they're really for everybody, you know, no matter what age you are. Yeah, and what I will say too is like now that I have this space on Instagram, you know, I'm looking at like hashtag kids yoga. And some of the more, like, the most popular photos are these young girls doing, you know, these really deep, challenging, um, like, gymnastics acrobatics. And I loved gymnastics. I taught it for 10 years. But that's not what I teach anymore. And I really want to, hopefully, Nesfal will help end this narrative that you know, says that yoga is for the flexible or for the able bodied or whatever, you know, it that says that it's this type of gentle gymnastics because it's just it's so much more than that. It's a set of principles. It's, you know, it's from ancient India and it's here to support us in our everyday lives. So how can we, you know, honor that? How can we practice that? And, you know, Naveen Meghan sometimes she says like no one has to know you're practicing yoga. And that's the mm-hmm. thing, right? Like it can be so subtle. And that's to me how it's how it supported me over the years and I want that to translate to children.
0: Yes. Well, that's an important um mission and I see you and uh, many other women coming from different angles, but it's the same idea. It's even why I started this podcast is to to get just the awareness of kids yoga and what it really is. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to see, to see how this, you know, develops and grows and to watch you along the way. Thank Um, I do want to ask you a question I've been asking most people since the pandemic began, which I can't believe we're almost at a year into this pandemic, but, um, how have you taken care of yourself? Because I mean, you have your baby and you're home all the time. Are there ways you've been able to practice
1: self-care Yeah. So I think my self-care has changed over time. Um, For me, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was still very um, early into postpartum. So um, getting outside was really Mm -hmm. important um, by myself for like 10 minutes, whether I was like able, at first, you know, it was like 5 to 10 minutes not really walking but then eventually it was like 10 15 20 minutes of me just like going on a walk by myself um, and that i would say was like my practice for for a couple months it was really what i needed and i think part of what the way i take care of myself is you know i try to get really honest about how i'm feeling um, which can be really hard if we're feeling something uncomfortable and then you know, I try to make a choice of how um, to meet my needs. So, you know, that was one way I could meet my needs in the moment. um, Or I should say in the months like after I gave birth. And then as time went on, eventually my body craved a different kind of movement. So like right now, for example, like I'm trying to just, you know, do a couple things every day, like really brief, it doesn't you know, it's even just, like, sprinkled throughout my day of, like, doing, you know, a down dog here or, you know, shoulder opening of some sort um, in the evening time and um, cat-cow in the morning, whatever. And nothing really formal or rigid. Um, that, for me, works. Um, I know a lot of people like to have, like, a really disciplined, um, you know, Time in the morning where they practice or time in the evening. For me, it just works to utilize the practices in the moments when I feel like I have time with baby or, you know, when I feel like I really need it. Um, So that's kind of how, you know, spending time in nature and moving my body, um, which has changed over time how how I've done that. Mm Mm-hmm. And
0: thank you for that permission to just sprinkle it in throughout the day. That's just – It's just as effective, depending, like you said, depends who you are and and what you need. But I I find the same, just like little moments of it, unplanned, um, or just consciously saying, all right, I'm going to stretch before bed. It doesn't have to be, like you said, rigid. So permission to the listeners. You you could do a down dog, and that's that's good. Take a few breaths. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You're doing yoga.
0: Exactly. Well, I love ending with kids' yoga gems, so- Just little pieces of advice. Um, So for you, if you were to offer one piece of advice to anyone that's within
1: the kids' yoga field, what would it be? I would say, um, for one, you know, your job is not to fix any child. Your job is not to exert power over them. Um, Your job is to empower them with techniques. and. yoga is an opportunity. You should be giving them an opportunity to notice something about their experience.
0: Yes, 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 yes. That's, that's the core of it mm-hmm. to, for children, children just to stop and notice, right? That's so simple. Yeah. And so important.
1: Cause for me, at least I notice in myself that change happens more freely when I first allow whatever my experience is to just be how it is, mm-hmm. yes, and it's
0: uh, it it could be really difficult, like you said, like when those uncomfortable feelings come up, and we want to run, and we all do, and that's okay. But as much as possible, to just yeah, let let the let the feelings flow. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want people to be able to find you. So where can people find you personally
1: and then also with Nestful? Yeah. So Nestful um, is the website is nestfulminds.com. And that's also the Instagram handle. Um, It's also on Facebook and Pinterest. And then you can find me at laurenbuckles.com. I um, have my offerings on there.
0: Great. And are you offering adult classes right now?
1: I am. So I'm teaching on Sundays, um, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. It's for all levels. Uh, It's an hour-long practice. And then I'm also teaching Wednesday mornings uh, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. And that's a 45-minute class for people who transition to work at 9.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And it was just so great to connect with you. It was
1: so great to connect with you, too. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the episode and you haven't already, I would really appreciate if you can leave a rating and review and also subscribe to the podcast. This helps people find the podcast and direct more people towards it so we can spread kids yoga to more children. You can also follow us at the kids yoga podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can always send me an email at thekidsyogapodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback, your questions, and any ideas you have for future episodes. So thank you so much for being here and for listening, and I hope to see you next week.